Welcome to the Let's Talk Government podcast, a podcast that is provided for you by the Department of Government at Minnesota State University, Mankato, located in Minnesota in the United States. I am your host, Dr. Pat Nelson, the chairperson of the Government Department. I want to thank you for joining us as we explore different topics about government. Some may be surprising to you and some may not, so please enjoy. Welcome to episode 20 of the Let's Talk Government podcast impeachment, constitutional questions, and impact. I'm joined by Dr. Fred Slocum and Dr. Kevin Parsnow from the Political Science Program at Minnesota State University, Mankato. So thank you for joining me today. So can let's start off with you, Dr. Slocum. What is impeachment? Why do we have it? Impeachment is a process uh, that is spelled out in the Constitution that uh, allows for um, a president uh, or another federal official, possibly, it's not limited to presidents only, um, uh, but, uh, but a federal official can be uh, disciplined for misconduct uh, through the impeachment process. Um, and it requires a vote of impeachment, which amounts to a vote of accusation of wrongdoing, which is conducted by the House of Representatives. And then uh, following a successful vote of impeachment in the House, which takes a simple majority in the House, uh, so um, out of 435 House members, that would be a minimum of 218. Um, and uh, following a successful vote of, of uh, impeachment in the House, then the Senate will hold a trial, uh, which is not a criminal trial. This is a political process, not a legal process, um, in which all 100 senators act as quasi-jurors um, and to convict the president of wrongdoing uh, requires 67 uh, senators or two thirds of the membership of the Senate. And this process is spelled out in the constitution um, as a means of, uh, of checking or limiting the power of the executive, which the framers were deeply concerned over uh, given their experiences under the English crown during the colonial era. All right. So thank you, Dr. Slocum. That's a great explanation. So I'm going to turn to you, Dr. Parsnow. So let's focus on some of the arguments they used in the trial about whether they should be impeaching or not and kind of go from there. Well, I think the, the main argument laid out by, I guess, calling the prosecution from the House was that President Trump acted in such a way over the court. And it's important. People focus just on that, that speech he gave on the 6th. But before that, for the time since the election, his accusations that there had been a fraudulent stealing of the election, there were fraudulent votes and all these other claims that were not at all supported by the facts, um, that those statements, along with telling people that they had to stop the steal and then having the group, having the, 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 the crowd go to the Capitol and telling them, well, you've got to go there, or you're going to lose your country. Right. So the, the, the prosecution's case is basically that you built up a bunch of people to be concerned that they were going to have their constitution and their republic taken away from them if they didn't prevent uh, Congress from making uh, president, making uh, Joe Biden president. And then you sent them to the Capitol. What do you expect Americans to do if they think they're going to lose their republic? Right. Um, so that was the one side. The, the flip side, of course, was that. The, the defense sort of claimed, well, one, he's not president anymore. You can't impeach him if he's not president, which I think is a legally flawed question, uh, claim. But that aside, that was part of their claim. And that 
appeared to be the out that a lot of Republican senators took, right? Um, but their other argument was, well, it's freedom of speech. He's giving a freedom, he's giving a speech. Lots of people say things like fight. Um, this is, you know, you know, go fight. You know, this is it. it's horrible. And he said peacefully once in the speech, right? So um, they claim, well, he's exercising freedom of speech. He didn't have any knowledge that this was going to happen. It was already pre-planned by some of the rioters. So they went and did it on their own. And so your case is, is, is not fair to President Trump. And then, of course, they played a lot of other speeches of Democrats saying things like, we've got to fight for this or not. Um, of course, most of those were taken out of context. But all that aside, that was the argument they were making. And Trump so, also used the language fight like hell. Right. There, there were plenty of references to fighting, um, right? It all depends on when you take Donald Trump figuratively and literally. And he's come a long ways in life having people listen to him and not be sure when he's being figurative and literal. And he always will claim, well, you know, fight doesn't mean beat cops up with, with flags. It, it means stand out there and yell. And, you know, this has been a case for at least his whole presidency, if not his whole public life. Cause you know, let's say stuff like you're not being, you know, back in the old days, we wouldn't let a person protest like that. We'd be a little tougher with them. And people say, are you saying to be violent against anybody who protests your rallies? Oh no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying back in the old days. Right. Um, so he's always gone along that line and done it for a long time without getting into trouble. But some of the uh, accusation also included his lack of action afterwards, right? Where he was not taking action, that he was actually supporting what was going on on Twitter. And the fact that he didn't take action afterward was also kind of what they wrapped into it. Yeah, right? that, that's true, um, right? Because the argument that he, you have to show that he intended for that to happen. And he, sa he said peacefully, but if he actually intended it for it to be peaceful, right? The, the prosecution is saying, if you intended it to be peaceful, why didn't you say something as soon as it wasn't peaceful? Right. And he didn't, right. right? He waits a long time. And then later he says, you know, go home, we love you. After a lot of violence has already taken place. That, that's not the behavior of someone who didn't intend, right? That's their case. It's right. not the behavior of somebody who didn't intend something to happen. So then talking about impeachment kind of on a grand scale is what can an executive be impeached for? Obviously, if he's just lying or, or making statements about you should, the election is a fraud, that's probably not enough to impeach him. What would be things that you could impeach a president for? The Constitution says, the specific language in the Constitution is high crimes and misdemeanors. Um, what that means is not spelled out in the Constitution. It's not spelled out in our other founding documents. Um, the meaning of that, of what that means is really left up to Congress to decide. Um, the House in the impeachment, uh, you know, in the impeachment stage and the Senate in the conviction stage. So um, it really is left entirely up to Congress's judgment to stipulate or decide what constitutes high crimes and misdemeanors. So uh, we know that this one, latest one with President Trump or former President Trump was insurrection, encouraging an insurrection. Well, what, what, what about his first impeachment trial? What was he charged with there? Was that a perjury one where lying? 
No, it was because he was using the powers of the presidency against political enemies. The undue influence then. Okay. Undue influence because he tried to get the um, uh, president of Ukraine to announce that there was a investigation of of Biden um, and was supposedly withholding military aid, which Ukraine needed desperately. Um, in order to do that. So they, that was a big part of the impeachment. Uh, there were two- Yeah, there that's was, the first were... impeachment, correct. So I, um, I had had a little, t- I think Pat had dropped out in her question, at least according to what I heard. So I didn't hear I'm all sorry. of it, but um, the first impeachment was for um, um, basically um, extorting Ukrainians leader, Ukraine's leader um, into um, investigating uh, Hunter Biden, uh, mm-hmm. Joe Biden's son. Um, and, and using, uh, you know, the threat of the cutoff of military aid to Ukraine as leverage, um, in, um, in that pressure campaign. So really impeachment, especially at the president level is something you've committed a crime or something that you could only do because you're president. So if, if you weren't president, you wouldn't have had the same thing occur. So definitely misuse of presidential power. I, one of the things I think is odd about this, um, not odd, but it gets into an issue that a lot of times when you talk about the Constitution, people will think of it as this set of rules that are just there and we follow, right? But when you're getting to the idea of what sort of power does Congress have? What sort of power does a president have? Well, yeah, they have the institutional powers outlined in the Constitution, but those powers are sort of ultimately only constrained by voters. Right. So if senators don't think they're going to get thrown out of office if they use one definition as opposed to another. Right. David, David Mayhew will tell us a political scientist will tell us Congress does what will get them reelected. Right. So if they think they're not going to get reelected, if they make one definition of what's impeachable, then or the other, they'll take the one that gets them reelected. And so, right, a lot of Republican senators are thinking, well, I'll have a primary, I'll lose, I'll get voted out of office if I go against President Trump. And some of them are not thinking that, right? The, the reason I point that out is because, right, we have these three impeachments in history, and I don't want to jump the gun here. Oh, right? go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Every time it comes up, no matter what has been done, and I think the, you know, this incitement of a riot, right, the charges is pretty serious actually attacking Congress itself, senators have never been willing to remove a president, right? Yes, you can say, well, they, they would have removed Nixon if he would have fought it. Well, maybe Richard Nixon would replay this in his head if he thought again, right? Um, because James Madison put this check or the Constitutional Convention puts the check in the Constitution. And you might ask yourself, wait, if senators are dependent on presidents, for their support, right, from parties, are they ever going to remove a president? Is a, are, how many senators from a party are really going to vote to convict? And I, I just don't know that we're ever going to be able to get to 67, no matter what happens. And so in, in that sense, and say, James Madison might have screwed up here. If you're trying to check a president, the lesson from this might be whatever the party that senators cannot go against their president in those kinds of numbers. You might get a few, but you won't get enough to remove. And so in that sense, 
you know, Madison says, we put this check in, we're going to have ambition versus ambition, right? Go government must be, the government must be able to control itself. And um, maybe it, maybe you can't, right? Maybe that doesn't work. It's not a check. It, it sits there as a nice little check that we say when we teach intro to US government, but is it realistically going to happen, right? Well, um, could I, uh, to piggybacking on this, um, it, it did come very, very close to happening with the first impeachment. Um, you know, pr prior to Trump, uh, <laughs> uh, two previous presidents had been actually impeached, uh, those being Andrew Johnson in 1868 and Bill Clinton in 1999. Um, Richard Nixon was not actually impeached um, because uh, the House at the time he decided, decided to resign on August 8th, 1974 uh, was when he announced his resignation. Um, at that time, the House Judiciary Committee had voted out in favor of articles of impeachment. And uh, the next step in the House was to have a floor vote on impeachment among all the members of the House. Um, that did not take place because Nixon decided to resign, thereby short-circuiting the process. So, um, so Richard Nixon was not actually a president who was impeached. Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton, however, were um, impeached um, with a full vote in the House of Representatives. Um, Andrew Johnson was um, impeached in 1868 for violating a, uh, a law passed by Congress stipulating that uh, the president could not fire uh, some of his top appointees without congressional approval. Um, and uh, um, Johnson sub uh, nonetheless dismissed his secretary of war, Edwin Stanton, um, and without congressional approval and was impeached for it. And that matter moved into the Senate and uh, Johnson came within one vote of being convicted and removed. Um, however, he survived. Um, but he came within one vote. So it was very, very close. Right. And, and, and I did to some degree conflate impeachment with removal, but yeah, I mean, re removal's tough. I, I, I still think Richard Nixon would want to rerun if he really thought this through. Well, before we talk about uh, Bill Clinton, so just to kind of clarify, so the house is, votes on impeaching and the Senate votes on the conviction or removal. So yeah. technically, everybody were talking or, or not. So technically, yeah. when we talk about Trump, he has been impeached by the House twice, but never actually removed um, based on Senate votes. Just because Correct. I think our listeners may un may not understand there's a difference between being impeached and being removed. So, yeah, all right. Correct. Yeah. Im impeachment is, is, is an act of accusing the president of wrongdoing or uh, misuse or abuse of power. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that is conducted by the House of Representatives only. Um, and assuming a successful vote to impeach, uh, then the matter moves to a trial in the Senate. Um, on, and the, the outcome of that is convict is that the president is either convicted or acquitted. Although again, let me emphasize, this is not a legal process. Um, it is a political process. And um, it is separate from any legal action that might uh, befall the president, the, uh, whatever the outcome of the trial in the Senate, um, the president is not shielded from action uh, in the justice system for his uh, behavior. Um, if he is judged to have committed crimes, he can be investigated, he can be prosecuted um, uh, and, um, um, and disciplined or punished uh, for that. Although the Justice Department does have guidance on hand that says that a sitting president 
uh, cannot be prosecuted. Um, um, and I think Trump has tried to, tried to argue in court, if I remember correctly, that a sitting president could not even be investigated, but the courts have swatted that uh, notion down. Right. But they can still be investigated after they're removed or they're out of office based on election. Yes. So, then, the, yeah. then, they're, then they're subject to action by the legal system. Pro prosecution and um, you know, pun uh, trial punishment are possibilities after okay. that president is out of office. All right. So I, I interrupted us. So let's bring us to uh, Bill Clinton, who was the third president that has been impeached that we're talking about here. So anybody want to give me a little second, rundown? Second president. To well, be, he was a second. Well, second time-wise. Yeah, second in the yeah, timeline. Second president time-wise to be impeached. So uh, that was, this was 1999. Um, and this uh, was, was the impeachment of Bill Clinton, February of 1999. And um, this flowed from uh, Bill Clinton's... Um, uh, uh, affair, uh, sexual affair with a White House intern named, named Monica Lewinsky. Um, and uh, Clinton was uh, accused by the House of, um, of uh, having a, a, a sexual affair with, uh, with uh, Ms. Lewinsky and then perjuring himself uh, by lying about it to, to cover it up. Um, and so um, he was impeached on a largely party line vote in February of 1999. And so that matter also moved to a trial in the Senate and uh, the Senate voted 50-50 deadlock on one of the charges. I, I don't have that right in front of me. And uh, I think something like 54 to 46 or 55-45 on the other. But at any rate, the Senate fell well short of the 67 votes needed to um, convict on both charges. And so Clinton remained in office for the remainder of his second term. And, and just to be clear, he got impeached not just because he had a, not because it was a sexual affair. It was his lying to Congress that got him impeached. The perjury, perjury, portion, yes, correct? Yes. Yeah, because technically, having sex with another consenting adult is not illegal or a high crime, but the perjury is definitely something that is a high crime. So although, yeah, well, I mean, it's right. it's a matter of Congress's judgment. Um, it was uh, right. The impeachment of Clinton was pushed by Republican uh, Republican leaders who were in the majority in both the House and the Senate. Um, and I think mm -hmm. it was a political move in part to please the religious right, uh, which ah. which was, uh, you know, very uh, desirous of impeaching uh, of uh, impeaching Clinton. Um, so, OK. So let's talk about, so you get impeached by the House. What would happen if a president actually got convicted by the Senate? And we, we know there's kind of two scenarios. They are currently a sitting president or in the case of the second impeachment of Trump, their term has ended. What, what could happen well, with that? They would, they would be removed from office because they were convicted. Um, and, and then the, then the um, Senate would vote on uh, what exactly the punishment is, because the additional punishment besides being removed is that you can be, you, the constitution says that they can be prevented from holding public office in the future. So once they impeach them, they remove them from office and then they decide, can you ever hold public office again? And we've never gotten to that point. It's a question of whether you need 67 to place that in, in uh, you know, 67 votes or two thirds to put that on a, on a convicted president or not, or it might just take a majority. Um, but either way, that's the possibility. Prevent them from holding office again if they're convicted. 
which I think was one of the things that, I mean, that was the punishment that, um, that the house impeachment managers were, were going for. That's what Raskin essentially wanted um, to prevent him from running for office again too. And he had the inter interesting line in response to that, that Republicans said, well, you're afraid that he'll run again. You're just doing this to prevent him from running again. And you're afraid that he'll win. And he said, no, I'm not afraid that he'll win. I'm afraid that he'll lose again because we can see what he does when he loses. <laughs> um, so that that's a possibility. So what is this impact? What is the impact of the impeachment um, at the House and made the lack of conviction at the Senate? What does that do for each political party? Uh, we're, I'm going to ask you about long term effects on the nation at the end. But what does this do for each political party right now? Does it boost their ability to get people elected or not? Or what do you see? That's a tough one. Um, and um, I, don't, I don't feel like I can answer that with, uh, with a great degree of certitude. Um, I think for the Democrats, uh, you know, who led the impeachment um, uh, on both occasions of Trump, you know, um, the, I think the feeling among Democrats is that there are certain lines that Trump's behavior has crossed and that um, we as a party cannot um, simply stand idly by and, and accept his behavior as normal or acceptable. Um, um, and um, so I think it was the, for the Democrats, it was drawing a line in the sand in terms of what is allowable versus not allowable presidential conduct. I, I think another aspect of this, if you think about the House, on the, on the one hand, you, you have people in the House and the, the system is designed that ultimately you have to find compromise between the two parties, right? The House can push a majority thing through, but at the end of the day, you want to see a lot of bills that get the vast number of everybody voting for them because they're good for the country, right? So the, the, the COVID relief bill is very popular for the country. Whether or not you think it's good, it's very popular. And yet it doesn't get very many Republicans, it doesn't get any Republican votes. Um, I think, and this may have happened regardless of whether there was an impeachment trial or not. But I think the impeachment trial is one more thing that increases polarization. Because you can imagine if you're, you know, I, uh, if you're in the house and you're like, you voted not to convict someone who sent people here to kill Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence, right? Um, if that's your feeling, how do you sit in a conference with that person again? Or, or on, I guess on the other hand, how do you sit in a conference with somebody who you think, well, you're just being a dilettante and charging everybody to impeach everybody there's a Republican, right? So it's another thing that just makes it almost impossible to do Congress's business. And I, I see something like this. And one of the things you always bullet point in intro to US government is the Senate is collegial, right? All those senators are buddies. Um, and at the end of the day, they got to work together. It doesn't matter what the party is. I don't think that's the case anymore. I, I think I'm close to taking that line right out of the PowerPoint because how, how does a, senator sit and go, I totally disagree with you on this issue. And I mean, I guess you could take it from either side, but if you're a Democrat, how do you sit in there and, and sit across from Ted Cruz and not point, I mean, and not point out, you were standing here and voting to overturn the election, right? Or, or calling for that. And that caused people to come here. That's part of it. I don't, this is just a huge issue of, 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 
disagreement that I don't know that anybody who's in the Senate right now is going to be able to let this go. Um, and so I think it gets the parties more closely aligned, right? We're seeing this on cabinet nominations. Cabinet nominations are normally a, a 95 person vote one way or the other. And now we're getting these cabinet nominations that are 60 or 55, 57, right? A couple of Republicans come over to, to confirm cabinet nominees. That would have been an extremely rare controversial cabinet nominee back in the 80s or the 70s or the, even the 90s. And nowadays coming right down party lines, right? Oh, you know, the director of OMB, well, she can't be that because she tweeted some mean things. Boom, it's all stands on whether Joe Manchin will vote. Sorry, I'm getting into the details of this. That should not be a 50-50 vote, right? That the president gets to choose the person who's the OMB director, right? Unless they pick somebody who's really controversial, that usually just flies right through. And, and I, I think that's what the Senate is now. There's not the collegiality. I agree with Dr. Parsno's assessment. Um, the, um, uh, you know, the even cabinet nominations now are becoming a venue for, um, for partisan conflict. And you're having almost lockstep Republican opposition to uh, virtually anyone or everyone Joe Biden appoints. Um, so, and it's pretty unprecedented. So I want to bring up another thing that I think is unprecedented being somebody who's outside of political science is what about the Republicans that got censured for voting in favor of impeachment? Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that where the, the local state parties are censuring Republicans in the house that voted for impeachment? Um, I don't like to, yeah. 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 So the Arizona state party, um, you know, and the, uh, I think it, um, I don't think this is something that would happen within the Democratic Party because the basic difference between the parties is that the Republican Party is an authoritarian party. And I think there's a reasonable argument to be made that, the, that maybe an authoritarian cult um, uh, might even be, uh, uh, you know, uh, that's potentially debatable, though. Uh, but the Republicans are an authoritarian party and the Democrats are a non-authoritarian party. Um, and... Um, they're, the the censoring actions by state parties against uh, Republican uh, Congress members um, who vote in favor of um, impeachment um, is an indication of uh, of the degree to which lockstep conformity is demanded um, by Republicans. Um, I don't think we would see this among Democrats um, because the um, the. Uh, I don't think Democrats are authoritarian uh, as a party the same way Republicans are. There is a, a basic asymmetry here that is almost impossible to ignore. I think another, another side of this um, is that it, it continues what is basically a misalignment between the agenda of the Republican base with the Republican office holders. Not to say that a lot of the office holders aren't lining up with what Donald Trump wants or wanted. Um, but if we go back to 2016, right, the majority of the office holders and people in charge of the Republican Party at, at high levels were never Trump. We don't want this guy taking over the party. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a, uh, he's, a, he's, a he's just a celebrity, right? He's, he's crazy. Um, 
But the base clearly wanted him because they kept voting for him in the primaries and caucuses. Then he got office. And as the four years have gone by, it's presidentialized political parties. The, the longer he was there, the more the more he had drew attention, the more Republicans getting elected or reelected depended upon him. And even at this point, he's out of office, but the base is still holding to him. High, super high, like 80% approval among Republicans. And if you're a Republican senator, office holder, governor, whatever, even if you disagree with Trump or what Trump wants, how do you go against that? Because if you lose your base support, right, you can say, well, you can appeal to moderates. Well, moderates are going to maybe go for you and maybe go for the Democrat. And no matter how much you criticize Trump, you're not going to get very many Democratic votes. So for a Republican elected official, they're really closely tied to, to Trump. So why, like, I guess the, your question about the censor, censuring is the Democratic or the Republican Party base telling its leaders, we are still with Trump. Don't cross Trump and his agenda because we are still with him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's, that's where you're getting, that, that's how they send a signal. I mean, political state parties, activists, they send signals by passing these sorts of things, saying these sorts of things, putting language in their state party platform. And nine times out of 10, it lines up with whatever the elected officials want. But this is their way of saying, you're not doing what we want. We can find somebody else to be in our, our Republican governorship or Republican Senate seat. Um, and, and as a person who's been to a lot of state party conventions, um, the people who go to those conventions, the people who vote for that stuff, they're there year in, year out. They'll sit through 5,000 hours of boring meetings to push one thing. And so they didn't just fickly decide that they didn't like uh, whatever. I guess Cindy McCain was one of the people that got censured. I know she doesn't hold office, but that's, wow, you just censured the widow of John McCain and they don't, they're not fickle, right? They, this is what they want. This is their only way to send that message. So that's what they did. Yeah, Cheney got uh, censured as well. well. I think she is Wyoming. Liz, was it? Liz yeah. yeah. Liz yeah. Cheney of Wyoming, yeah. Yep. I, wish, I wish I could go back in a time machine and have it be like 2006 and, and just ask people, what do, you, what do you think about a Cheney getting censured by the Wyoming Republican Party for not supporting Trump enough? Right, <laughs> right. All right. So I want to bring us back to closing, closing thoughts on impeachment here. So uh, with some closing thoughts here on what do you think are the long-term effects of what, have, what has happened? I mean, we just had a president that was impeached twice while he was president, um, not convicted either time, but still impeached twice. So what do you think the long-term effects are? Not a, maybe just on everything in general, politics, just our country. What, let's wrap those up and we'll start with you, Dr. Parsnell. Oh, okay. Um, make me do the tough answer first. Yes, I am. Um, I, I think there's a, there's a couple of things, as I already mentioned, I think this is just going to drive polarization, division among the parties. And I don't, I don't see an end of it. I'm not going to say it can't end. It will end at some point in time, presumably, but it's just going to further that division between the two parties, whether it's you on, you were, you, you know, you guys wanted to impeach Trump from the minute he took office to you were willing to let this guy send a, a, a violent mob at the Capitol, right? I don't know how you bridge that divide, right? Um, 
I think that's one thing. I think another thing is that um, you got to ask, is this the path that the GOP is going to go on for the next 10 years? There's, I mean, people are still pushing sort of Trumpian claims of election fraud. There's still, right, Josh Howley was just at CPAC and, you know, actually sound like he was cheering uh, the rioters as sort of taking some credit for the peaceful part of it, right? Um, so that's another thing. Is this going to be a, a, something that they sort of, the Republican Party embraces or are they going to reject it at some point? Um, and then the, the third longer term effect I can think of is what presidents in the future are going to fear impeachment and conviction, right? I, I mean, I know everyone, people are saying, well, Trump's the only president that's been impeached twice. Um, don't bet that the next president won't get impeached twice or there won't be like, if, if it just takes a house majority to impeach somebody, you can impeach them for anything. And presidents might do things that they're like, I don't care if I get impeached because they'll never remove me. They wouldn't remove Trump. They didn't remove Clinton. They didn't remove Johnson. You can do anything with executive power and your own party is going to stick with you because they know they rely on you. And if you've got the backing of the base, you know, it's sorry, sorry, James Madison. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, men are no angels and we're going to get a president that's definitely no angel. And he's going to know that he can't be held in check by this. I hope that's not the case, but I, I worry about future presidents who aren't even thinking about it, right? I think, um, I, I think uh, Donald Trump was unique among presidents um, and hopefully will be, be unique among future presidents as well in his degree of shamelessness. Um, uh, Trump um, uh, above and beyond, I think any previous president of any previous party um, views himself as, uh, as rightfully a dictator and that he can get away with and do anything that he wants. And um, the, the outcome of the two impeachments, uh, you know, I, I think just gives him further mental ammunition in that direction. Um, uh, Trump views himself as above the law, um, above constraints uh, by, um, you know, by anyone or anything. And, um, you know, the, you know, the result was, it was predictable. And, you know, I, um, I agree with Dr. Parsno's assessment that um, the, you know, an, un, an unintended and probably undesirable consequence of impeachment is that is to drive an increase in partisan polarization. Um, but um, on the other hand, you know, I think on the Democrats uh, hand, they had to, they, they probably, I think were aware of that risk um, and decided that for the interest of the country, it was necessary to, as best as possible, send Donald Trump a message. Um, uh, you can't get away with just anything. Um, and you can't get away with extorting the leadership of Ukraine um, into launching an investigation of your uh, main political opponent's son. Um, and you can't foment uh, and, and get away with it. And you can't foment a uh, riot um, and tell people to fight like hell um, at the Capitol. And uh, with the result being that, uh, that a large group of people stormed the Capitol uh, looking to kill House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, looking even to kill your own Vice President Mike Pence um, and get away with it. So I think that's the message the Democrats were trying to send. 
I would agree with that because that message is not just for people in the United States. That message is for the whole world, right? That we're not just going to let him get away with that was part of the impeachment. So the president is not a king, you know, right. and. But to some degree that I'm sorry, to, to no, that's some okay. degree that that punishment requires that the person supposedly being punished cares, yeah. right? Like, oh, you've been impeached twice. I don't care. I still in office. Right. It, it always it kind yeah. of reminded me that line from the movie A Christmas Story, where the kids are going to get punished, and the teacher says, "Well, all of you know what you did wrong," and then the the kid, the you know, Ralphie says, "Every kid knows that's the punishment you really want. <laughs> that you're going to know that you did wrong and feel bad because that's no punishment at all." Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, Doctor Parsons. I don't suspect he loses sleep over. I'm going to look bad to history. I don't, and, and, you know, we can think of a lot of figures in history that, that don't seem to mind that. Um, yeah, I think your assessment is correct, Dr. Parsno. Um, you know, this, uh, the ability of this process to constrain presidential behavior assumes that the president in question cares. Um, and um, I think it's abundantly clear that Donald Trump doesn't care and in fact couldn't care less. Um, and, uh, so in terms of sheer shamelessness, Donald Trump really uh, goes beyond any president in history. Yeah, and it's, it's really gonna count on, is there anything that, like, what are the effects on the people who voted one way or the other? Are Democrats gonna lose office because they voted, they did one thing or, or you know, they voted to convict him or they impeached him? Is that gonna look bad like happened to the Republicans in the 90s when they, they voted to, um, impeach Bill Clinton, or are the Republicans who voted not to convict or not to impeach, are they going to suffer any consequences? Um, that might be the ultimate, the, the ultimate lesson that politicians will learn, right? That, oh, it doesn't matter how I feel. Eventually the voters will get around to issuing their verdict next time I'm up for election. So the midterm 2022 elections is kind of going to be a barometer of this. Elections. So. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say, like the Republicans, like if you look at the senators, the Republican senators who voted to convict, a lot of them are like Mitt Romney. They've already fought with Trump or they're going to retire um, like uh, or or Richard Burr of North Carolina, I think. Was yeah, one of them. Burr of North Carolina. Yeah. But the, the Republicans He's stepping down. He's not running, seeking reelection. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's speculation that Laura Trump. Um, uh, might seek that Senate seat in North Carolina. And and Pat Toomey, I'm sorry, I don't want to get into the weeds there, but I'll give the Republican House members who are up in two years, right? They, they're, they don't have like six years like Susan Collins before they're going to be up again, right? right? They're going to be up in two years and they just probably angered a bunch of their supporters. Yeah, I'm not going to say they're not calculating, well, this will get me reelected because maybe they're counting on the moderates to save them from doing, from the consequences of that from their Republican base. But they know they're up in two years and there's no way to avoid it. People are still gonna be talking about that. They're talking about it now. They're gonna call fundraisers. What are fundraisers gonna say? Oh, so, yeah. you know, give them some credit that they went against their party base on this. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you both. I love talking with you. I always learn so much and I just learned a lot more about impeachment. And I know that hopefully in the future, we'll be able to talk about the next round of elections and kind of some changes that are going on there too. So thank that you. Sounds and, good. Yep. Thanks. All right. Well, 
Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Government. If you have suggestions for future episode topics or other areas you'd like us to cover, please visit our website at link.mnsu.edu backslash let's talk gov to submit your ideas. Join us every Tuesday for a new episode and thank you for listening.